the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Great to be with you this morning. You can join into the festivities, 303-696-1971. That is our telephone number to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone. If you don't have the app, get on it and download it now. It's free. And if it's free, it's for me and for you. So text in on the app. You can also reach me on social media. A couple of ways to do that. One is on Twitter. Follow me and tweet at me. You can direct message me too at saying center. That's saying with an E, not an A, center on Twitter. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro or search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality in the search bar. Just as well, a few ways to email the show 24 7, 365. Go to 710knus.com and to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page. You can also. Email me via my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is E-Z. And again, the telephone number, 303-696-1971, if you want to be a part of the program that way, right here live on the air we got some interesting guests coming up on the show. We will begin Conversations with the Candidates series with Denver mayoral candidates. Today, coming up in the 7 o'clock hour, live in studio, I will be joined by Andy Rougeau for the full 7 o'clock hour. He is, I think, the only Republican, registered Republican, running for mayor of Denver, if... He's not the only one. He's at the very least the uh, most prominent one in terms of fundraising and in terms of the ability to get his message across, etc. There was a piece in Axios about Andy just this week that was a uh, Republican has a chance in Denver's mayoral race. Does he really? Why does Andy Rougeau have a chance? Why is he running? What's he about? What are his thoughts on issues of the day? We'll have Andy here in studio in the next hour. By the way, we are working on arranging interviews with other mayoral candidates as well. Kwame Spearman, the owner of Tattered Cover, will join us coming up next Saturday in the morning. He'll be coming in studio. And then looking out on February 25th, Mike Johnston, former state senator, will be dropping by as well. We'll see who else we have coming up. But it all kicks off with Andy Rougeau today in studio at 7. Then you've heard me talk about this good bunch. 
on my show and when I was filling in. And heck, even last weekend when Mike Boyle had me on the restaurant show on Sunday, there is this bill in the legislature, House Bill 1118, that would gut the restaurant industry dramatically. Big pains on the way if state representative from Denver, Emily Sirota, gets her way and is able to pass this so-called predictability pay or fair workweek standards bill. We are going to get insights and perspective from the industry organization that represents restaurants. That would be the Colorado Restaurant Association. We'll be joined by Sonia Riggs of the Colorado Restaurant Association at just after 8 o'clock to get her take on what the potential impact could be of this bill on the restaurant industry. Then, we all know it, we all hear it, We've been seeing it on our TV screens. There's a balloon over the nation. The Chinese Communist Party has a surveillance balloon up in the sky. And of course, it has been the talk of everything. And the Pentagon saying it will be over the sky for a few more days. Yeah, so so as I mentioned, we'll continue to monitor it. Uh, right now, we assess that it'll probably be over the United States for a few few days, um, but we'll continue to monitor, review our options, and keep you updated as, as we can. Is the U.S. government under Biden too cavalier about this? Should they have shot it down? Is that really the only concrete option? Or is it enough that publicly... We know that Secretary of State Antony Blinken has canceled his trip scheduled for this weekend to China as a result of this. And there's probably some things going on behind the scenes. Is that enough? Should the Biden administration be expressing greater concern about this? Well, it's interesting when you watch the cable news, you hear a lot of concern and understandably so. The Chinese Communist Party has a surveillance balloon that has been over critical U.S. facilities for days now, floating in the sky. And the U.S. government hasn't stopped it. Maybe they're running interference, who knows? But they haven't done anything. And, of course, there are folks who are expressing deep concern about this. Oh, it should be shut down. Oh, how could the Biden administration allow this to happen? Well, my good friend Keith Nobles, former military intelligence contractor, has been arguing something less concerned about this. Should we be worried about the CCP's balloon up in the sky? Bam. Maybe not. Very interesting insights and perspectives from Keith Nobles. And I said, Keith, I know I had you on twice in the last couple of weeks because you were on my show a couple weeks ago. And when I filled in for uh, Stefan last week, you were on the show. But I need you to come on again because your perspective is different. It is unique on this one. 
and it comes from insights that you've developed from years of having worked in the intelligence, military intelligence community and dealing with things in the Cold War. And by the way, balloons are technology that the United States was using in the Civil War, but modern type balloons trace back 60, 70 years ago. So we will be joined by Keith Nobles again coming up in the 8 o'clock hour as well to get his unique thoughts on this. Because I've been sort of waffling here, like, how concerned should we be? Is the U.S. government that inept or that fearful that they are unwilling to, to shoot it down or to take more aggressive actions? Or is that just not necessary to do? And instead, there are other options that the Department of Defense, the Department of State, and the president are able to take. Because that is plausible. This is not the first time the United States has ever dealt with a balloon from a foreign adversary, let alone our own balloons and technology. However, there is an expression of deep concern, of course, from a great many people, including the governor of Montana, who was on with Tucker Carlson last night. Well, when I got briefed, uh, this slow-moving balloon uh, was hundreds of miles into Montana. It had already flown near the Air Force Base and the ICBM silos. Uh, When I finally got informed it was over our most populous city, it got spotted by a photographer at the airport. Just know, Tucker, if it was up to Montanans, uh, this thing would have been taken out of the sky the moment it entered our sovereign airspace. And it clearly had been there for a while. It's not moving that fast. From your perspective, it's a pretty clear case of we know what to do next. Shoot it down. Why do you think they didn't? Well, I'm not sure. Initially, in the briefing I got earlier in the week, they were contemplating uh, taking it out of the sky. For whatever reason, they didn't do that. Now, clearly, this went to the president's desk. Uh, He was given options. For whatever reason, he chose not to act. And unfortunately, the result of that is that Americans are endangered and our enemies are emboldened. Are we actually endangered and are the enemies emboldened? So here's my initial reaction was, why the heck don't they shoot this thing down? And it's a question I still wonder. Keith Nobles will offer some insights on possible reasons why they haven't shot it down. But I've been wondering, why in the world is this the case? And how did it get this far? Well, I guess if it's a stealth balloon, it's designed to be hidden for as long as possible. And then it was recognized. And next thing we know, the whole world knows that the Chinese Communist Party has a balloon up above U.S. airspace. But you have to think, okay, if, if, the, if the Chinese are able to collect data still at this point that the U.S. government would have to have shut it down, no? Could they be running interference? I mean, it, this just doesn't add up. It doesn't make particular sense, especially when we are looking at something that's pretty big. But here's the reason, of course, why the Pentagon says they haven't shut it down. Uh, You said that this is uh, violating our airspace. So why not take it down? Yeah. So, uh, you know, clearly, as we assess options um, and considering the the size of the payload on this, uh, looking at the potential for debris 
uh, and the impact on civilians on the ground or property damage. Again, uh, running through the, the various factors and looking at uh, in terms of does it pose a potential risk uh, to people while in the air. And right now, as I mentioned, we, we assess that it does not pose a risk to people on the ground as it currently is traversing the continental United States. And so out of an abundance of caution, uh, cognizant of the potential impact to civilians on the ground uh, from a debris field, uh, right now we're going to continue to monitor and review options. I don't know that I buy that. It has to do with debris for a balloon like that? Really? The Wall Street Journal has a piece, China floats a trial balloon over Montana. It's an editorial. And they know Beijing may also be testing what it can get away with, as it often does. Someone thought the intrusion was worth the effort and risk of discovery. Did Warhawks in Beijing want to blow up Mr. Blinken's visit? It's also possible the balloon has some surveillance or probing benefit that hasn't been disclosed. The trial balloon ought to pop U.S. illusions that China's behavior is irrelevant to Americans at home or that Beijing is merely contesting far-flung Pacific islands in a supposed sphere of influence. Beijing's ambitions are global and the U.S. homeland is vulnerable. And then they close. Postponing Mr. Blinken's trip was important but easy. Now the Biden administration will have to demonstrate to Chinese President Xi Jinping that he can't violate U.S. sovereign territory without consequences. That's it. That's the key thing. There's probably a a reasonable reason why they're like, we don't need to shoot it down. But what you have to do, if that's the case, if that's the case then you do have to have real consequences so the Chinese government knows that you can't invade our sovereign airspace like that without having consequences. Because Lord knows they would be a hard line if something like a balloon or a jet or anything was over their airspace. And they didn't know about it or give it the okay, which, of course, they wouldn't give the okay to this. Listener text coming in. The Chinese already know everything they need to know. The balloon is just a test to see if Rome is still Rome. The balloon can be easily retrieved. Watch the end of Thunderball, a 007 movie. By the way, yeah, the balloons have go, go way, way back to <laughs> but predate the era of the 60s and 70s with Bond movies. And by the way, Thunderball is a great movie. And frankly, it, it's corny and it's not part of the official saga, if you will, um, or whatever they call the official Bond movies. But Never Say Never Again is another take on Thunderball with Sean Connery as James Bond. And um, it's entertaining. It's entertaining as well. It ain't no Thunderball, but it is an entertaining movie, nevertheless. 303-696-1971 if you want to join into the conversation on this exact topic of the Chinese Communist Party's balloon in the sky. But we will be getting into this with an interesting perspective 
from former military intelligence contractor Keith Nobles coming up in the 8 o'clock hour after Sonia Riggs of the Colorado Apartment Association. 303-696-1971, our telephone number, listener text. So why don't we spy, so we don't spy on China? Oh, I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. And I'm sure there are some methods that the Chinese are aware of that they're not speaking publicly about, that they're not publicly opposing for the United States. I mean, this is what happens a lot of times in the global community is you have countries that spy on each other through different means. Lord knows the U.S. and the Chinese Communist Party are both spying upon each other. The thing is that this is one that has gotten public. And when you have something that is public, when you have something over American airspace, it brings about greater concerns because it can signal to the world what the United States may do if you take actions like this. And it could send the wrong message, theoretically, potentially, if the U.S. is perceived as not acting in accordance with its national security interests, which critics are most certainly arguing. And I think, understandably, and perhaps rightly so, has been the case so far with the Biden administration's handling of this situation. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. You can text to the show on the 710K and US app on your smartphone. When we come back, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, has achieved a significant victory, a big win in the battle over AP Advanced Placement African American Studies. What happened? We will talk about that coming up in the next segment, as well as this question. Should... A governor like DeSantis and others be stepping in and trying to censor certain things in classrooms related to critical race theory. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson on the Joe Rogan experience this week offered surprising perspective, saying, actually, this is kind of risky, not necessarily a good idea. What's going on there? Keep it right here. We'll pick up the conversation on the other side, right here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Ah, the late, great Luther Allison doing a phenomenal slow blues tune, Bad Love, as we come back on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Best damn bumper music known to man, more than nine years running, News Talk 710-KNUS, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Uh, Before we shift gears, a couple things regarding the topic of the balloon up in U.S. airspace. Uh, Alexa texting in, BS lies from the Biden administration. What would they do if this balloon was over the White House or Pentagon airspace? And those are extremely populated areas. Another of many things which show Beijing Biden is compromised. So a couple of thoughts on that. One, I don't buy the debris justification for not shooting down that balloon. I think that's a bunch of hooey. I suspect there are other reasons which may or may not be 
Rational, Keith Nobles will argue, yes, there are rational reasons for that with his experience. We'll talk with Keith at 825 as a former military intelligence contractor. But you raise a good point. I mean, I wonder what they would do. Does it really take much thought about the prospect of them shooting down that balloon if it did go over the White House or Pentagon airspace? Now, you do have hardline attitudes in terms of how the Biden administration's handling this. Newt Gingrich, former House Speaker, every national security official who refused to protect America by shooting down the Chinese communist balloon should be fired today and replaced with people willing to defend America. That is what Newt Gingrich texted less than an hour, tweeted less than an hour ago. I guess last night on his show, Bill Maher joked, the Chinese promised they would never use a spy balloon to infiltrate and monitor America. That's what TikTok is for. <laughs> he said that as a joke, Ken Buck is very serious about that one, wanting to ban TikTok use everywhere across the country. We'll get back to this issue later on in the show with Keith Nobles. I want to get to something that's quite fascinating. When you look... Had Ron DeSantis putting pressure on AP, that's advanced placement, college-level high school class, AP African-American studies. AP African-American studies is a class that is just being piloted in schools across the country or are about to be piloted in the next school year in schools across the country. And Ron DeSantis expressed, look, we're not going to allow this in our schools. He objected. He said, we are, it is in violation of our state law regarding critical race theory in the Stop Woke Act for us to allow AP African American studies in schools. Because it explicitly has critical race theorists in there. It talks about things that seem, in his view, to be antithetical to education and what should be taught in education, like black queer studies. And so he pushed back. And he said, we're not going to allow this in our schools. It's in violation of the Stop Woke Act, and it doesn't have educational value. Well, guess what, folks? Ron DeSantis has won. As Stanley Kurtz, who's been following this closer than anybody over at the National Review, and more in-depth, he actually got a copy of the original framework for this class. And he's gotten the updates for the class. And he says, quote, pretty much all of the critical race theory and the lion's share of socialist agitation has been removed from AP African American Studies. Curricular manipulation by teachers will be limited by their need to focus on the official framework if they want their students to do well on the test. Critically important precedents have also been set. States have the power to pressure the college board to modify its misguided curricular diktats. He goes on to talk about how virtually all of the radical political agitation DeSantis has objected to and much more of it that he hasn't even bothered to explicitly cite, has been removed from the required sections of the course. And he concludes, 
Stanley Kurtz does, that in the big picture, the college board has capitulated to DeSantis. Among the things that they've tossed out is the CRT-based unit calling colorblindness racist, which is in direct violation of Florida law. And it even has some new additions, including their unit on black political gains that has now been added, featuring not only Barack Obama, but also Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice. And he goes on to talk about how basically the CRT pieces can still be included optionally, but the required parts that will be tested on have been like they're they're largely excluded from those. So this is a huge win for Ron DeSantis. He says, quote, with all the caveats, because it's still a left leaning course, DeSantis's APAAS advanced uh Advanced Placement African American Studies Victory is still the most consequential pushback I've seen against the leftist education establishment in decades. Okay, Ron DeSantis achieves a victory, and you know what? That's something he's going to campaign on. I think he should let AP African American Studies in classes now in Florida. It seems reasonable, it seems appropriate to do so, even using his own criteria. But is it right for the governor of a state to even do this in the first place, especially somebody who's complaining about censorship. Now, last week when I did my fill-in stints for Deborah and George and Stefan, I had on the, the show, I think it was on Stefan's show, my good friend, Dr. Rob Margison, Regis University professor, who came on and argued that it's wrong what DeSantis was doing. And talking about how this is not a required class, this is an optional class that kids can opt into, get college credit, it covers material that they might learn in college college and universities, and it's something parents theoretically could opt their kids out of, or say, I'm sorry, you're not going to take this class if they didn't want their kids to take the class. And pointing to basically the idea that this is form of censorship. Lo and behold, noted psychologist, now at the Daily Wire, fascinating man, brilliant guy, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, essentially agreed with leftist professor Rob Margeson. A little bit of that emerge on the right now, you know, which is kind of frightening to me. So I, I'm an admirer in many ways of what's going on in Florida you know, with DeSantis, but him and Rufo, who I also think has got a bit of a clue, are trying to, what would you say, limit or even ban critical race theory. And the problem with that is you can't define it, right? Right. So how do you how do you control something you can't define? And the answer is you battle it out on the battleground of ideas. Because as soon as you start to try to define it and then try to censor it, well, first of all, that's just going to grow because that's how those things work. You know, like where does where does critical race theory shade into Marxism? Well, who the hell knows? Where does Marxism shade into socialism? That's even harder question. Then where does socialism shade into, you know, just being on the side of the working class? Well, all that's fuzzy beyond belief. And so once you get to the point where the government has to step in and regulate, say, what education systems are doing, you're already in deep trouble.
And because it can't, I don't see how it can really be done. Because I, I can't define critical race theory. You know, I mean, more or less, you can get some sense of the cloud of ideas that's associated with it. But, but trying to draw the lines, how are you going to do that? And then, of course, you enable inevitably. No matter what your goal is to begin with, you're going to control a certain form, let's say, of pathological communication, misinformation. That's just going to play into the hands of people who like to censor, and that's just as likely on the right as it is on the left. Mm. So, no, it's a real dangerous game. And by the way, this is a guy who had been suspended from Twitter and brought back by Elon Musk. So he knows a thing or two about the online censorship game. He's got a point. It is a dangerous game to play with this, let's try and control the curriculum in a way that we think is appropriate because a politician deems that some material in class is not sufficient in its educational value. So then he's going to play the censorship game. So then he's going to say, well, I don't want to allow this class in there. Or there is this lip small a public liberal arts college where DeSantis just appointed half the board as strong conservatives who literally want to go in there and have a hostile takeover. Chris Rufo, who Peterson mentioned in that clip from Joe Rogan's podcast, Chris Rufo is one of the leading opponents online and exposers of critical race theory aspects and various things regarding the censorship and so forth that's going on in the political agendas in schools. And Rufo is among those who've been appointed to the board of this college by DeSantis. And it's expressly more of a left-leaning institution. That's how it is. And liberal arts universities skew this way generally. And Rufo has gone on, apparently, he literally said, this is a hostile takeover. So you've got a governor who's a Republican throwing his weight around to address issues of politics in schools. Now, here's the question. What if the shoe's on the other foot? Governor Jared Polis, who won by about the same margin in his reelection as Ron DeSantis did in Florida. And Governor Polis decides, oh, this isn't left wing enough for our classes. This isn't appropriate for our schools. So we're going to nudge it in this way or that way. Do we get into a dangerous position when you have this kind of censorship game coming from the right? I like DeSantis a lot. And I, you know what? I'm glad that he's able to extract some gains as a result of his battle over AP African American studies. This is a very good and encouraging development. Shows in many respects, that his fight was was worth it, at least on that class. But what are the implications of this, and what does it say about the right's objection to censorship when you have a politician, not an educational expert, he's a politician, say, you know what, we're going to control what is or is not allowed in our schools, and we're going to put the thumb on the scale. And exert our influence. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Wise or not, on the part of Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, we got to take a break. We'll get to your calls coming up next as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk, 710 KNUS. 
Never Give Up and Never Give In. Never Give In is the name of this tune by the British blues rock band King King. As we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, great advice, isn't it, in this whirlwind of a political climate that we are in where the pressure is always on to give in, to roll over. Ron DeSantis certainly did not in his battle over AP African American Studies. He's been vindicated. It was successful. It was able to make changes. That's encouraging. But does it justify a politician playing the censorship game? In schools or otherwise? That's one of the questions that we're taking up this morning here on the program. Also, what about this Chinese Communist Party balloon? Yeah, so, so as I mentioned, we'll continue to monitor it. Uh, right now, we assess that it will probably be over the United States for a few, few days. Um, but we'll continue to monitor, review our options, and keep you updated as, as we can. That's the Pentagon, as they have not shot down the... Tricom spy balloon that is in the sky in U.S. airspace at this moment continues. What do we make of that? What are your thoughts on these topics? 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Let's go to John in Denver. Good morning, John. You're on the Jimmy Sagenberger Show. Oh, good morning. Good Uh, morning. morning. The first thing I wanted to say is I love your bumper music. Best known to man, right, John? (laughs) It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, brother. And I, I, I really like that you announced the artist. Ah, so if absolutely. I to hear these songs later on, I could do that. Yeah, um, that's why I do it. And you know what we're about to unveil? We're working on it. Is um, I'm getting ready to have a page on my website where you can be able to listen to and download, uh, purchase and download the um, various bumpers that we play on the program. So that'll be going up on my website at some point soon. So just a little heads up wow. there. Continue, John. What's on your mind? Uh, Thanks. The thing, Ron DeSantis thing, uh, mm-hmm. I think you're right. This is because these are elective courses, and yeah, this is censorship. And uh, the Democrats are going to use this. It's going to give them ammunition to say, well, this is racist. So, uh, so you know, in a way, I think it's cool that he did it. But, uh, you know, it is censorship. So Yeah, on that, on that point, and I know you want to talk about the balloon as well. On that point, yeah. when we look at... The issues of CRT and, and which it's look, Peterson was right in the clip that I play, Jordan B. Peterson, that it is somewhat abstract when people on the right talk about CRT, critical race theory, they often don't mean actual critical race theory, but different elements that kind of stem from that, that are more how race is being introduced in schools and hyperpartisan political ways and in ways that make children feel bad about themselves, their race, their backgrounds, their families, etc. Um, so so there and there's legitimate grievances there. But when you can't necessarily clearly define that kind of term, it leaves it open to interpretation because, well, I mean, it is a, a term that can be open to interpretation in the first place. And how many other things could a politician, a Jared Polis, for example, decide, oh, this is sort of an abstract term and we need to start approaching it in this way or that way in our schools? It really does open up a door that conservatives should be concerned about, even as this is a nice win for DeSantis and for everybody when it comes to AP African-American studies. Well, that's true. 
Um, also about the um, Russian balloon or the Chinese balloon, in a way, it's brilliant what they did because it, it tests the waters. You know, they think, well, if we can send a balloon over there, it means we can send anything over, you know, fighter jets or whatever. And it also makes the Biden and the Democrats look weak. And it's pretty much a political move, I think. It could be just that, just saying, well, look at what uh, we can get away with, whereas they may not actually do anything. So... Yes and no. I, I do think that there's some trial balloon elements to this balloon, that it is a trial balloon to see how the U.S. would react to this. But at the same time, we are talking about technology that may be, because think about balloons go way back. I mean, they go back to the Civil War. And then especially in more of its modern sense, the U.S. was using them as as spy vehicles in, in 60, 70 years ago. So... When you're looking at the technology today, I mean, there's there's equipment, there's technology that is a lot more advanced and could be a lot more concerning to U.S. interests, where I think the U.S. would respond very differently to a fighter jet or any kind of jet flying over our airspace versus a balloon that is floating out there, a technology that is decades old. Yeah. Is that balloon unmanned, by the way? Yes. Ah, Okay. That makes a big difference, too, of course. Right. Oh. Right. So, And this is why I want to have on my friend Keith Nobles later on in the 8 o'clock hour. If you can stick around and keep listening, he's always got fascinating insights. And he has the perspective where I'm not, I'm not bought on to that perspective yet. I want to hear him talk some things out that, look, this isn't as, as much of a concern shouldn't be because this is – this is nothing new. This is not new technology. This isn't something new that the U.S. has dealt with. And, and more than that, and he's a former contractor to the military intelligence community during the last decade of the Cold War. Uh, brilliant guy. He's got interesting perspectives. We'll see what he has to say on this. But it might not be as simple as just, well, just shoot the damn thing down. <laughs> True. Sometimes yeah. in national security matters, nuance matters. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jimmy, for taking my call. John, I appreciate the call and glad you're enjoying the best damn bumper music known to man. 303-696-1971, of course, is our telephone number to join in to the festivities, although we've got guests coming up now, including Andy Rougeau, who's a Republican running for mayor of Denver as we kick off our conversations with the candidates. Andy is the first up to join us in studio. We will have others who will be coming on the program, joining us right here at 710 KNUS in the coming weeks as well. Lots to come on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Don't go anywhere. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.